This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. I'm your host this week, Sean Helch, and I'm joined by Dan Gillette and Charlie Ming. Each of us serve in different roles as pastors at Valley Bible Church. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Okay, welcome to the Behold podcast. It is good to uh, be with you all again this week. Uh, This is Sean here, and we have Dan and Charlie this week as well. And before we get going, I feel like I have to say this. Dan, listeners at home can't see you, but I can on Zoom, and you're slightly pinker than last week. What's that all about? You you look like a lobster. I'm very lobsterfied. Yeah, so I got my first little... uh, little burn layer of the season down. I, after on Monday mornings, we have a, we have a staff meeting and, and uh, it was about noon when we wrapped up and I had a bunch of emails and calls to catch up on. And it was a nice day. So I was like, Oh man, I'll go sit in the back, uh, take my shirt off and just kind of get through all those calls. So if I called you yesterday, just know I was sitting out shirtless in the backyard, but, uh, yeah, I was out there way <laughs> too long, and uh, I thought I was getting a nice little tan, but I am totally roasted. You need you need to get some sun quarantine screen. Ooh, <laughs> that's nice. That's nice. Oh yeah, so I'm feeling I'm feeling hot right now. I'm on fire. Yeah, you look toasted, um, Charlie. I know that it has been a hectic and crazy week for you, but maybe what's one funny or encouraging thing that has happened in your household? Man. Let me let me first say just just how much I empathize with anybody right now who is taking on responsibilities that they're not used to. I mean, I am I am a nurse right now. I am a educator right now. I am a maid right now, um, and it is it is insane. So for you folks who are taking on extra responsibility, and it just feels like there is there's no end in sight. Um, let me encourage you. Um, man, the Lord has just been so gracious and kind as I've as I've sought His strength as opposed to mine, as I have um, been forced daily to reprioritize uh, life. Um, and so it's I mean it's funny with the kids like we're trying to run school, you know, for a few hours a day, and and the other day, man, they were just both at their end. They wanted nothing to do with it. I mean the most simplest of, of scholastic tasks were like pulling teeth. And so I just said, you know what, who needs school today? And we just, we closed everything up and we went outside and we played. And, uh, unfortunately since then, every time we sit down for school, they think that it's, it's, an, uh, Ooh, it's a, it's uh, playing the card. A, yeah. It's that daddy's going to be as, as gracious and kind as he was before. But I have to explain to them that graciousness and kindness also takes the form of forcing schoolwork. So it's it's been fun. That's great. I love I love the idea of a uh, a victorious retreat. You know, it's not right. it's not like you you're completely uh, giving up and you know uh, g- taking a, a, a defeat. But but it's sometimes you just. You know, you got to know it, and that's part of being a parent. I think you got to know when yep. enough is enough, and kiddo, kiddos need breaks. Yep, and I just think we all do. I mean, we, we no matter who you are, what what you're doing, or what this season looks like, um, man, we can't encourage you guys enough just to take time to 
to to read or to do something for yourself to to throw the kids in a room and say I need 45 minutes you know what I mean what, whatever it might be um, now if you're doing that all day if you're like throwing them in the room and you're like I need six hours <laughs> um, maybe you might need to, to, to adjust that re- yeah. re- adjust that a bit but yeah I mean please no man we're we're all in this and I've been so encouraged by different folks who have reminded me that um, you know it's it's not it is not the best way to sacrifice relationship for duty or for responsibility. Um, and, and just keeping that in mind that, man, the, the relationships within this house are so much more important than the kitchen being clean, so much more important than the kids getting their spelling stuff done. It's so much more important than, than, than anything else. And so, uh, man, it's, a, it's about my, my strength coming from the Lord, finding that time for me and, and, and the Savior to be together and then letting that just be reflected in the relationships within the house. It reminds me of the story of uh, Susanna Wesley, who uh, was this really influential, influential Christian woman, and but she had this rowdy house full of uh, full full of kids and lot lot to juggle and balance. And famously, she she was uh, she's been quoted as saying, "When <laughs> do you guys know this one? Where whenever she would put her apron over her head." That she she that's taught great. she taught her kids, hey, that's mama's time to 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 pray and to be alone with the Lord, <laughs> and so even in the midst of like the chaos of 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 her house, <laughs> when 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 mama put the apron on the head, <laughs> that's that was a that was a sacred time, and that's so great. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. So so do it, you know, by hook or crook, whatever you got to do, get get that time to to um. It's it's also. Also, where that famous line "Oh Susanna, don't you cry for me" comes from? Did you know that? I don't know. We have to get I'm the fact kidding. checkers on that. We'll have, we 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 have to get the fact checkers working hard behind the scenes on that oh, one. Boy. Oh man, uh, yeah. Thanks for sharing. And yeah, if you're out there and this this describes you, we feel for you. We are constantly praying for you and hang in there. And we hope that this podcast is just a little bit of a break from the chaos. And hopefully, while we want it to be uh, encouraging and equipping, uh, we also just want it to be a time of respite and peace for you. So thanks for joining us. And and yeah, folks, don't don't believe everything you see on Instagram. Don't don't believe everything you read in in media. Um, we're all struggling <laughs> and, and life is not perfect. And, and honestly, yes, there are great times and there are things about this quarantine that I don't want to go away when it's done. There, there are great things going on, but at the same time, hear us when we say it, we all are struggling through in different ways. So let's just continue to be a support to one another. Amen. Well said. Okay. So as always, if you did not join us on Sunday, we really want to encourage you to go to vbc.online and watch Sunday's teaching before, um, just because we think that it will really help you be better equipped for this discussion. Moving onwards. So we're in Romans 11. Paul is continuing to describe how God used uh, the nation of Israel and the Jews for what would ultimately become uh, his depiction for how he would fulfill his promises. So as we were uh, reading through Romans 11, and as you were listening to David teach, I'm curious to know for both of you guys, if anything jumped out to you or stuck with you. I think the first thing we should talk about is probably something that resonated with a lot of people is just uh, this illustration that Paul gives of us being grafted in to 
to to God's family, his household, to his peop to become his people as Gentiles. And my guess is most of us listening at home are of that persuasion, are of are considered non-Jewish Gentiles. Um <clears throat> and so this was something that I think it'd be cool to just start off talking about that. And and one of the the verses that really was interesting to me was in verse 24, how Paul says this whole, you know, he goes and explains the, how, how we've been grafted in the illustration of it. And then in verse 24, he says, this is contrary to nature. And, you know, I was just, I don't know if this was, if it was clear to everybody and David did a great job, but it's kind of, if you're not like a, if you're not an agricultural person, a little bit of background I think is necessary. And so I was just thinking when, you know, when, uh, like, let's say you have a a fruit tree, like a nectarine branch is being grafted into a, a peach tree. The thing I didn't really know is that that nectarine branch will grow out of that peach tree, but it won't, it'll still produce the fruit that is, is connected to its nature. So it'll, it'll be on a peach tree, but it'll be producing nectarine fruit. And that was something that that I thought was really interesting, and and just as you, so so like Paul's talking about the the wild olives, how how those branches produce fruit that is bitter, and when it gets grafted in, what's what's natural, what is what is expected to happen if you have any you know any knowledge of agriculture, what, what's expected to happen is for that branch to grow and produce bitter fruit still, but what we see what God has done is he has done something miraculous. He, God has, has done a miracle with us as, as the ones that are grafted in. He changes the fruit so that what comes forth is not bitter anymore. It's a fruit of his, of his spirit. Um, so all of a sudden now we're, we're part of this rich, wonderful, good, uh, cultivated olive tree. And we're, we're producing something that is not contrary to our nature and and to me that just really underscores what we've been talking about uh, earlier in the chapter that this is all by grace. It's all yeah. God's work, and so there's a there's a just a richness of of gratitude and response to that. And I think it really sets up the the for us to have the right attitude about how we've been grafted in. Well, yeah, and he and he touches on right, like like Gentiles. There needs to be humility in this process. Like we should not become proud, like they did, you know. And and it really will will establish a foundation for where he's going to go in chapter twelve on what is this life? How does this life play out now? Um, and and man, Dan, as you were talking, I I just was struck again just by the grace and and the gratitude um, that that interplay in this process. I mean, if we go back to the beginning of the book. And, and he talks about God's wrath being revealed, that there is no unrighteous, not even one, that we have no capability in and of ourselves to produce healthy and good fruit. But It doesn't God, matter what side you're on either. If, you, if you're a Jewish or Gentile, you, you still yep. don't have that ability. Nope. And, and, and he, so it's, it's always his work, right? And we keep coming back to that. It's never about our work. It's always about his. And I was reminded um, of Acts chapter 10 when God calls Peter to go to Cornelius's house. And this is the first major um, kind of bringing in of, of Gentiles into the, into the kingdom life. And, and we see little examples. We see Jesus with the woman at the well. 
Um, this Samaritan woman considered unclean. We see it with Rahab. She's part of a, of a different nation, worshiping different gods. And yet God brings her in. And in fact, through her lineage, brings about Christ. I mean, just incredible things throughout scripture where God has always worked this way. Um, but but the, the instance in Acts 10, man, it, it is just ingrained in these folks, the unclean nature of anyone outside of the Israelite camp, outside of the Jewish mm. nation. And, and, and so through that process where, where God brings down that whole blanket filled with animals and he says to Peter, rise and eat. And he says, I'm not going to eat that which is unclean. And God right. says the, the key thing, right? Do not call that which I have made clean, unclean. That it is God's work. It is his, his hand that makes these things clean. And it's the same for us, right? I mean, and it continues to be the same for us. I look, I look at my last week and, and the propensity towards frustration, or the propensity to try to escape or the propensity to try to focus on uh, responsibility as opposed to relationship. Um, and, and I know that in and of myself, man, it, I, am, I am not going to produce anything pleasing to God in the sense of righteousness, in the sense of right standing. Right. But, but as I have been grafted in to a healthy root, to a healthy tree, uh, he has miraculously allowed me to find strength and to find purpose and to find identity and to find uh, the peace and the grace and the, and the hope and the love and the, and the compassion and the relationship and all those kinds of things that are only possible through his, his kindness. It is his work. And man, I just have been so encouraged by that this week. Man, I love that, Charlie. And, you know, in thinking about verse 24, um, just, just that gratitude that the, this mindset and thinking about this process should be building in our hearts. You know, in thinking about how Paul describes it as contrary to nature, I'm thinking about this picture of these trees. And even though right now we're talking about a, a wild olive tree versus a healthy cultivated olive tree, we know that when we're talking about life with Christ or life apart from Christ, we're talking about life and death. We're not talking about a cultivated or wild tree. We're talking about complete death a dead tree, a dying tree, or a thriving tree that's that's living and bearing fruit. And so I'm trying to put myself in, in, in the shoes of this olive branch. Bear with me for a second. I know that olive trees are not sentient, but if they were, <laughs> they you know, as he says, contrary to nature, branches don't walk off of trees and attach themselves to other trees and start growing. That just does not that happen. Be crazy. Like you said, Dan, it's only by the grace of God. Someone has to come and intentionally do that, rescue this branch from that dying tree for this. I'm just trying to think of myself as an olive branch here. If I were attached to a dying tree from which there is no rescue, there's no nothing I can do, there's no works I can do to save myself from this tree. The fruit is bitter. Fruit is bitter. And someone comes and saves me from this dying tree and intentionally and carefully attaches me to a thriving and living tree, and then I now get to experience the blessings of life because of that, how could I not be overcome with gratitude in that? How could I not view that grafter with humility and with thankfulness and let that shape the way that I now live as a little olive branch? You know what I'm saying? Totally. Well, well and that's so interesting because that, that, that was really David's exhortation to us and really the takeaway that he wanted us to kick around in our own personal lives this week is that humility piece and being Christ-like in our humility. And I don't know, what do you guys think? Like, why, 
because I, because I hear what you're saying, Sean, like that is the, the only logical, rational, appropriate response is gratitude. So, so then why do you think Paul needs to warn us and exhort us to, so that we're not prideful and arrogant? What, what do you guys think? Uh, man, I think because in our sinful nature, that is the knee jerk, right? It's like the, the default. The, yeah, absolutely. Just just like when we were in rebellion to God, it was it was coming from a prideful and arrogant place. You know, obviously God changes us inwardly and that that change continues to be cultivated through sanctification, but there's always going to be this this knee jerk to say I'm in charge and I get to control things. I mean, you even come to, and and to give a little um glimpse for this next week and and also to give a little plug for Valley Bible Worship guys. Uh, in, in verse 32, I mean, he says, for God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Um, God has consigned everyone to disobedience so that he can have mercy on all. And I think that in our humanness, there seems to be this rearing up to that added, that that aspect of saying, well, if he's consigned us to this, then blah, blah, blah. We have those objections that Paul has been addressing throughout this process, right? But but I love Paul's response. And what does he say in, in verse 33? Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? I mean, again, Paul's response is one of humility. He looks at the creator yeah. as his creation and says, but who am I to question? And and why would I ever do that? Because he's showing us mercy. Do you see? Do you see what he he is doing? And man, Dan, I, I hope we're planning on singing that song next week. I don't know if that's set up or not yet. He's talking about only wise God. Yeah, and and, yeah, and we man, should you we should pulled lyrics that. straight from this section of of the depth and the vastness of of who he is. Um, man. Let's, 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 instead of raising our fist to God's wisdom, thinking that we are wiser than he is, let's instead just humble ourselves under that, right? I loved, I loved those, the, that 34th and 35th verse. I mean, yeah. it, it is so worshipful and, and I kept looking for a little footnote because to me, doesn't it sound like Isaiah chapter 40? Doesn't it kind of sound like that, 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 I don't know if you guys have read that in a while. And for those listening at home, that that's a really great passage to earmark for this week to to just read through. But but the prophet Isaiah is just going through this. He's talking about this infinite, awesome, powerful, limitless God and comparing him to us. And it's like, there is no comparison. And when I think about humility, this humility that Paul is challenging us and exhorting us and and he's saying, don't, don't become arrogant. Don't become proud. Really, if we think about who God is and who we are in light of him, the, the only logical response is humility. So when I think about humility, I think about it's, it's, it's a person who's in touch with reality. It's a person who has a grip on the way thing, how things really actually are. And so when we're when we're grafted into God's family by grace through faith, um, man, it, it is we have to remember who who did that work and what what He's like, and and just to that's something that I guess we just need constant reminder about, right? Absolutely. Well, yeah, and yeah, if I if I can jump in too, I mean, that's isn't that if we want to reorient our mindset. 
man, memorize uh, 33 through, through 36, but with this emphasis on 36. Listen to what he says. He says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. So all things come from God, all things maintained through God, and all things belong to God. Like he, he is, he has to be central. He's, he, he is central. And for us to think any different is, is foolishness. I mean, it, it really is a, a destruction to live life under any other assumption than that he, that God is central to everything. Mm. Yeah. And Dan, to affirm what you just said, uh, mine does have a footnote. So he is quoting from Isaiah 40 there. And I'm just, Oh, it is there. I'm okay, read it. I didn't see it there. Okay. Please. So Isaiah 40, and I'm just going to read verse 13. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? So just affirming that idea that, that there's no one who can advise God, no one who can understand his wisdom like he does. His ways are beyond our own. And so kind of with that in mind, um, I'm curious to hear from maybe you, Charlie, specifically. You know, it's easy for us right now, as we're discussing, to sit and behold the glory of God. Um, it's easy for us to, in this moment, note his faithfulness and his sovereignty um, and appreciate that with this gratitude we're talking about. But, you know, like we were saying earlier in the podcast, what would you say to someone who has lost their job or is at wit's end with their kids running crazy? And it's just a lot harder in those moments to take a second to stop and feel this, like we're saying, it's it's the only natural reaction is gratitude. But when it's hard to do that, how would you encourage those people? Well, I'd be careful even with just with the concept of feeling, right? Um, I, I look at our situation just with Sarah's health and, and what we're going through. And more often than not, it, the feeling is one of frustration or disappointment or despair or sadness. Um, and, and if we allow those feelings to dictate our perception of life as opposed to allow truth to dictate our perception of life, um, that, that's a slippery slope and it's a dangerous thing to do. And man, again, we go back to this section and maybe we're, we're jumping the gun looking at 33 through 36 so much this, uh, on, this, on this episode of the, of the podcast. Um, but also influencing what Paul is writing here is, is passages from the book of Job. Um, and, and Job is a, a, a great one for us to come back to. Um, because at the end of the day, even, even at the end of Job, it's sometimes difficult to say, well, why did God allow this? Like, what is going on? Hmm. But why comes from a place of control, right? When we ask that question, why, 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 it's coming from a, a need to control what's going on or, 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 or wrap our finite brains around infinite concepts. And I'm not saying it's, it's inappropriate or wrong to ask why, but when our understanding of God is compromised because we're not getting the answers that we want. That's where the issue comes up. And so if we're in a situation where we're experiencing um, just horrific health complications or situations where uh, financially we are, are, are distraught, well, first, let me just share this, folks. The church is called to come around those who are financially hurting. And if you are financially hurting, we have resources at Valley Bible Church, and we encourage you to reach out to admin at vbc.online. 
let us know what's going on. Uh, unfortunately, we're, we're not all mind readers. And yes, the Spirit will sometimes prompt, and that is amazing that God does that. But we also need the humility to know when to ask for help. Uh, and I, and yeah, I, I, will, I will testify to how difficult that humility can be sometimes. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to receive sometimes. It's hard to ask for help sometimes. But that is what the church is meant to be. It's you, you by withholding your need, uh, you are withholding the opportunity for this church to operate the way God intended us to operate, to, to be generous, to be loving. So, so it's not just about you. Uh, realize that God has, has equipped and has blessed people um, abundantly in order for them to be generous to you in your time of need. So, so please hear that because it's not just all concepts and theology. Let's see this stuff actually play out within our community. But in the midst of those seasons... Let me also just recommend watching from a few weeks ago, the Elder Forum thing. Gary did a great job talking about what do we do in financial hardship. And and man, just the theme and what was woven, the color of what Gary was saying was, was this picture that God is in control and he is good. Yeah. And so when we go through those times that are difficult, those things that are that are seem or feel insurmountable, we have to make sure that we are encountering truth while we encounter our feelings, right? And go go to the Psalms. Go go read through the Psalms. Lots read of through, feelings in there. Right? Right? <laughs> and what does David almost every single time do when he says, turn your ear? Why haven't you heard me? Where are you in this? Where When he is pouring out his despair, he almost every single time lands on the butt. But I will find mm. my refuge in the Lord. But I will hope in him. But he will restore my strength like the eagles. But he will do this because... David, as someone who was a man after God's own heart, he understood that God is faithful to his promises. And so even when we are in the midst of the hardest situations and things that really disrupt our comforts and our our securities, what God is inviting us to do is to find our comfort and security in him. And and he promises to take care of those needs, and he promises to fulfill that that. those needs through the church. So let's, let's be that community. Let's rally together. Let's go sell all of our properties and and pool that money. (laughs) Maybe not that extreme, but let's, let's live that out, right? Like this, this kind of, of, of mentality that what is mine is not mine. It, It belongs to the Lord. Let's love each other in that kind of capacity. Absolutely. And just to tag onto that, to answer that question, Sean, because these things we're talking about, they do get harder when they're suffering. When we're, when we're going through a trial, if we're experiencing loss or grief or pressure, hardship, that's a part of life. And sometimes when we're going through that, it's really hard for us to see what is, what, how does the Bible describe the purpose of these seasons of, of trial and suffering? What, what does scripture have to say about God's purposes in those, in those seasons. And sometimes when we feel like I can't, I can't behold God's glory. I can't uh, grow in, in, in my faith the way that I know I need to during this season. I feel like I'm just, it's all I can do just to get to the end of the day. Sometimes when we're in that place, we have to remember what is God's purpose for suffering? He wants to strengthen our faith so that we can endure. And one of the things that I really loved about 
David's message on Sunday was the thing that I've just been chewing on is um, how in um, uh, just, yeah, in verse, what is it? Where is it? The, The kindness and severity. There it is. Verse 22. So it says, note the kindness and the severity of God. And I love that word note because it really it really strikes at the heart of what this what this podcast is all about. What we're trying to do is we're trying to behold the glory of God. And that word note is to is to look at or to deeply consider or to behold. And so when we're grafted into God's tree, by his grace, we're brought into his family. Um that is when we put our faith in him for that to happen, we also have to remember that there is something that God wants to do in us to continue that faith. He wants us to continue on in kindness while remembering his severity. And so we talk about on this podcast all the time that our faith is shaped by what we look at. If we look at the kindness of God and the severity of God and and how they're woven together in scripture, then our, our faith will grow. And in this time where most of us are experiencing some kind of suffering, we're experiencing great loss. I mean, some people are their lives are totally being flipped on their heads. Um, and we, we do, we, we know that people are losing their lives. Um, and this is, this is a time for us to, to gain some spiritual muscle, to increase our faith. And, um, man, we, we can get really out of whack if we don't understand God's purpose and we don't understand his character that he is, he is perfectly kind, but he, but he's perfectly severe in a perfectly just way. And I, just as 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 I've been chewing on that from Romans eleven, there's a there's a couple passages that I wanted to bring up that maybe maybe we could kick around. The first one is in Exodus chapter thirty four, it's verses six and seven, and um, the Lord is revealing His name to Israel, and He says first the kindness piece. It says the Lord passed before Him and proclaimed, "The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger." and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, having iniquity and transgression and sin. And then we see the severity, which a lot of times we we like to gloss over this, right? (laughs) But it says, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so we see, we see in that example, a God who is kind, but he's also severe. He's, he's, he's gracious, but he's also just. And even in, in Romans chapter two, verse four and five, Paul points to the kindness of God, um, which will become severity if it does not produce faith. So first we see the kindness in, in verse four, um, and hopefully this isn't going on too long. I think it's, I think it's helpful. So do you presume on the riches of the kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead to repentance? Mm-hmm. And then we see the severity, but because of your hard and, imp- and imp- impenitent, impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment is revealed. And this kind of goes back again to the, the warnings that are found in this section um, against arrogance or pride. Um, we're called to be Christ-like uh, in humility. And so if we look at Jesus's life and, and he, he models that. And so I think when we're going through these times of suffering, if we don't understand 
God's purpose for suffering and God's character through that suffering, then we're totally going to miss an opportunity to grow in our faith and to learn that endurance that's going to get us through. Yeah. Yeah, I that's that's great. <clears throat> and that just prompt, prompted me to think I'm I'm in the process of memorizing uh 2 Corinthians. I want to do all chapter 4 and all of chapter 5, but I'm kind of focused in on what 16, 4 16 through 5 5 right now. Um but back in in verse 8 of 2 Corinthians, this is the the mindset that Paul had. Right? And Paul was in his in his um ministry was facing constant persecution. I mean, he would go into these towns and he would be beaten and stoned and imprisoned and and all these things. Listen to what he says in verse eight. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, (coughs) always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. He understood the things that he wrote in other places, that I take up my cross to follow Christ. That, that, or, he lived or, it. He lived it. Right? He lived it. And, and, and the conclusion that he comes to in verse 16 is so profound, and it has been such an encouragement to me. He says, we do not lose heart. Our outer self is wasting away. But our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light, momentary affliction. And please understand, I understand pain is relative and we're all going through different things. But what Paul in his ministry was subjected to and and really quite honestly subjected himself to by continuing to do what God had called him to do was a kind of suffering that I don't think many of us can get our heads around. I mean, it was rejected by those who he loved so fiercely. He he, and not just rejected, but but persecuted and beaten, and they wanted him dead. I mean, incredible suffering that he endured, and he calls it a light, momentary affliction. And that because that he's comparing it to what he's he's comparing well, well, it to yeah, what? Yeah, <laughs> because it's preparing for him a weight of glory beyond all comparison. That, and so, what's that say? That our suffering, our temporal temporary suffering is preparing us. It's preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison while we look to the things that are unseen, right? We don't focus in on the things that are seen. Those things are temporary. Your financial hardship in comparison to eternity is a short-lived light and momentary affliction. Sarah's health struggle, the things that we're going through in this home that that seem insurmountable and at moments can feel so crushing, it is a light and momentary affliction that God is using to prepare us for an eternal weight of glory. That's where I want my focus to be, right? That's where I want to focus in on. Amen. That is awesome. And Charlie, as you were talking, describing just that idea of, of momentary suffering and being steadfast in the midst of that, it reminded me of a quote from a book that I've been reading through again recently, um, which is Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering by Tim Keller. And he gives this great depiction of what that momentary suffering looks like, um, kind of in a tangible way for us. So here's, here's a quote from it. If you've ever been on a coast in a storm and seen the waves come in and hit the rocks, sometimes the waves are so large and they completely cover a particular rock. And you think to yourself, that is the end of that rock. But then the waves recede and there it is still. It hasn't budged an inch. A person who feels the peace that passes understanding is just like that rock. No matter what is thrown at you, you know it will not make you lose your fitting. 
So man, if you're out there and you feel like you are that, that rock under the water and have yet to see that peace that surpasses understanding, maybe give this book a read. It's a really great one for understanding how God can use suffering to develop and grow you in your walk. That's so good. I, I feel like he's pulling that from the Sermon on the Mount, the end of Sermon on the Mount, right? He says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock and the storm come and the waves crash and everything just hits that house, but that house stands firm. And then and then likewise, if we don't build our, I don't know, our, our perception and our presupposition and our our concept of reality upon the words of Jesus on, on what the gospel tells us, um, and when those storms come, when those things hit, man, God shakes that foundation. He allows us to be stirred up so that he can rebuild uh, something more solid. But yeah, you're right, Sean. I love that. It's it's about, it's about it's in Christ, we are on solid ground. Mm-hmm. Amen. We're way, we're way off topic, and I apologize. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> that is, that you is know what I want to say, too? I know what I want to say, too, and we can cut this out later if, it, if, it, if, it's, if it's too long, but Dave, David on Sunday also mentioned... Just briefly, uh, Saul's <clears throat> conversion. So, you know, Paul wasn't always Paul. He was Saul. And, man, there's so many good things in, in Acts chapter 9 about what happened to him. And and if you read through that, it really kind of helps you understand where Paul's coming from as you read his his letters and, and as you read this this uh, this chapter here in Romans. But I love I love what... Uh, what the Lord says to Ananias, because he's, the Lord appears to Ananias and says, "Hey, I want you to go and and go get this guy Saul and and help him help him figure it out because he's blind now." And and this is what this is what the Lord says to Ananias. It's kind of it's, it kind of foreshadows Paul's life. It says, "The Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel." For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And so Paul, he from 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 day one, he knew that that this this call that was on his life was going to be a great of great cost to him. But like we see in Second in Corinthians, he um it didn't compare to the glory that he knew he would he would that would be revealed. It's worth it. Whoever loses their life will find it. It is it is worth it to allow our priorities and our comforts to take a back seat to God's will. It 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 is so worth it, and God will use that kind of of service in such mighty and significant ways in His kingdom. And and man, just as you're speaking about Paul's conversion, I, I think that we reached out to David Sunman to get his his story, his testimony. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, we do. So let's play that now and um, just hear about how, like Paul and like many of us, God has transformed David's life. Hey, what's up, everyone? David Sunman here. Uh, thanks so much, guys, for asking me to be on the pod today. I've really enjoyed these so much. So just very appreciative of you guys for putting these together and for having these awesome discussions. Grateful to be a part of this one. Um, yeah, so this past weekend, uh, you know, as we walk through this section of, of Romans chapter 11, where Paul describes this grafting in of Gentiles or non-Jews into this olive tree, uh, which represents this eternal family, this, this people of promise that began with the forefathers of Israel that God 
chose to bless and, and use to, to bring his light into the world and, and how we as Gentiles are now included in this thing that we were not originally a part of. Um, and, you know, towards the end of, of the message, I, I just shared briefly that, you know, with my background, I really have this sense of being included in something that I was not originally included in. Uh, my parents are atheists. My two older brothers are atheists. And in fact, one of them is, is even pretty insulting towards my faith. And, you know, I totally get it though, because that's how I was for most of my life. You know, until I was 24, um, I was an outspoken atheist. I was always, you know, uh, ready to get into an argument with someone where, so I could tell them how silly it was that they believed in all this stuff, you know, really just kind of all of religion, but, um, but particularly with Christianity. And so, um, that, that was who I was. And of course I was living a life that was, you know, not worth boasting about. I had no principles that I was following that, that really, you know, that I, could have told anyone that they should live by, but um, but of course I wanted to criticize everyone else in their in their choice of beliefs, um, and I had to humble myself. Um, you know, most of my life I struggled with severe drug addiction, and uh, it just got worse and worse and worse until finally, when I was 24, um, I was homeless, and and uh, I, I woke up this one morning after having slept on a stone bench outside of Balboa Park BART station in San Francisco. Um, and I was given this incredible gift, the gift of desperation. And, you know, I, I just desperately wanted to live any life than the one that I had known. And in that moment, it was like this big old bit of truth just smacked me in the face where I realized in that moment that, oh my gosh, all those people were right. God is real. God is real and I knew it and I knew it and I knew it in that moment and I knew that the only way that I was going to escape um, this this horrible you know situation that I was in was to turn to him and I didn't know exactly what that meant um, I, I just you know in my heart really just cried out and, and you know was willing to do whatever it took um, to, to to change and to escape that and so um, I had heard about this Christian program called city team we wound up going there. And of course, you know, uh, learned about Jesus for the first time there, what he had done, what the implications were for me and, and got saved. And, you know, the first week that I was there actually is uh, when I, I first met some people from Valley Bible Church. And of course, you know, fast forward to today, being able to serve and, and be a part of this awesome community. Um, I hope that that would just be encouraging for, for anybody um, who knows someone who, you know, is an atheist or who is just really far from God that... Um, no one is too far for his hand to reach out and pull them to him. Um, that's absolutely what he did for me. I mean, just sometimes even just thinking about things I used to say, the way that I used to be, um, it baffles me that I am not that person anymore, that, that God can change me so much and, and it could only be him that could change a heart like mine and a heart that had been so hardened, um, but that he can soften it and that anyone who cries out to him will not be put to shame that he will, he will, uh, receive them and, and just, you know, take them and, and use them for his purposes. And, and I feel like 
that's what he's done for me. And, and so I pray that same thing for my family and for anyone who's in that situation. Um, but I've also had some really cool evangelistic encounters with my family. Obviously, no time to talk about those today, but happy to discuss that with anyone else who feels like they're going through that um, with someone who they know. Anyways, that's it for me. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for having me on and uh, uh, looking forward to the next episode. And I am so encouraged listening to that. David, if you're listening, thank you so much for being willing to teach on Sunday and then also being willing to join us on the podcast this week. Uh, we're grateful for you, buddy. Okay, we're getting ready to end this episode of Behold, but Dan and Charlie, let's hear some wrap-up thoughts on this chunk of Romans 11. Yeah, just, and I know we've talked a lot about this, but I just want to put a finer point on it that this this chapter of Romans, Romans 11, is if you're if you're feeling hopeless right now because of everything that that this lockdown and this global pandemic is is has taken from you if you're feeling hopeless this there is amazing great hope in the work of Christ the grace of Christ and his promise being carried forward no matter what this is such great evidence that his promises will not fail He's going to accomplish all that he says he will do, and uh, it may it, it may be difficult. It, you know, it may not go the the way that we are always thinking and hoping and and wanting it to go. I mean, even that that is at the heart of why Israel re- rejected Jesus as Messiah because he didn't come and do the things that they expected him to do. But that doesn't mean that that God's faithfulness is in question. God will always achieve his purposes. And so it's with that that we can we can have confidence in God's faithfulness. And I know that there are like we've talked about people who are who have lost jobs or income, there there's there's stress um or loss of relationships in community. I know a lot of people are feeling lonely and disconnected. Um there's a lot of people who have lost who are experiencing loss in terms of pl- their plans. Maybe Family vacations, mission trips have been canceled. I know there's Gra- people in graduations. Our community, graduations. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's people in our community whose weddings are canceled or postponed. The weddings, as in terms of how they planned it would be, and we all, of course, we know that people are losing their lives all over the world and in our country. This virus is killing people, and so for us, we we have to cling to what we know is true, and and. Romans 11 just points to God's faithfulness and reliability and whatever we're going through, we can stand firm on that. That's great. Yeah. No matter how hard it gets, we can stand firm. Amen. Um, and yeah, maybe just as an encouragement, be be reading through the Psalms, be reading through Job. Look at how men in scripture have displayed how to walk through suffering with eyes focused on God. And really with eyes focused on, like Charlie said earlier from Romans 8, just the future glory that is to come. Let that hope be what informs and shapes the way that you process your feelings and hardships during this time. And as you do that, even though you may not always feel it, like Charlie said earlier, just know that God is constantly strengthening you through that process. Lastly, I just want to encourage anybody who is reading through these scriptures, or maybe you're just listening on Sundays, and you know these are scriptures that at times for some of us can feel distant, 
they can feel like they don't directly apply to our own lives. You know, a lot of us are not from Israel, or we don't consider ourselves in that framework of Jews or Gentiles. However, understand that in terms of God's plan for salvation, He's using this to display what His plan is going to be for us. He will use what happened to the Jews and Gentiles for us to be able to be better informed and understand what the work He's going to be doing for us in Christ. So, little plug for next week, be sure to listen because we're going to be looking at some parallel scriptures and really discussing how in Christ, just like with the Jews and Gentiles, God has made a way for us to have a place in his household. So, be sure to listen next week. Uh, Dan and Charlie, so grateful for you both. Thanks for being on the podcast with me and with all of us listening. Until next time, remember, SBF. 40 or 50, <laughs> at least. Love you guys and love love all of you listening. Grateful for you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.